It is an absolute pleasure to be here with Kurt Cassidy and Dr. Paul Mettler, president and co-president of Senior Planning Advisors for another great edition of the Retirement Education Hour. Thank you for spending part of your day with us today. I'm Megan Mozak, and each and every week, Kirk and Paul, they come to you, they share some of the important issues that are facing you as a person getting closer to retirement, as an investor, how to position yourself so you can ultimately have that successful retirement. That is the focus. That's what Kirk and Paul do each and every week for their clients. And I want to talk today, Kirk and Paul, as we think about the market, the ups and downs, the roller coaster effect that Wall Street has, that seesaw. What does it mean to be a conservative investor today, 2019? How do we know what conservative investing really is? Well, I, I think it's it's hard to define. And I think, it, you know, conservative investor is really subjective. Um, our industry is, of course, and I tend to do this in every show, don't I? But our industry has labeled the general public based upon these risk tolerance that are incredibly subjective to the consumer, to all of you listeners, not subjective to us. We know what it means to be a conservative investor. We can define that. But most people we meet cannot define that, right? So um, our industry labels you either as a conservative, a moderately conservative, a moderate, moderate aggressive or aggressive investor. And I often ask people, Paul and I often ask people when we're teaching our classes, you define that. What does that mean? If we had a 2008 event, how much would you lose if you were a conservative investor? And ironically, people are all over the map. I mean, it's really interesting when you start asking about what's a conservative investment. I have some, we have some that say, well, a diversified mutual fund, <laughs> a balanced mutual fund. Some will say, a blue chip stock, right, Paul? Yeah. Some will say cash, cash, right? <laughs> right. So, right on the other extreme, bonds, uh, CDs. It's all over the board. I think the most fascinating thing isn't what the investment is, but it, what it means to be conservative. And by definition, if you're a conservative investor in 2008, you would have lost between 15 and 20 percent in a 2008 event, a three standard deviation event which I'm guessing a lot of our listeners today would not define that as a conservative investor. I'll give you another interesting number is if you're a moderate investor, if you're defined as a moderate investor, if we had a 2008 event, you would have lost between 25 and 30% in 2008. I'm really confident that our listeners today would not describe themselves as a moderate investor if they knew they could lose 25 to 30 percent in a 2008 event. No, no question about it. And, and I think, Kirk, the reason why defining it is so important, the reason why it's important that we're speaking the same language is, and we see this a lot, if you think you're conservative, but your advisor defines conservative differently you may be uh, exposed to some risks that you don't know about. In fact, we see this all the time when we analyze people's portfolios where we will ask them, so, so how, how risky do you think you are? And oftentimes there's a disconnect between what they think and what they are. So all of you, if you, if you don't have a language to communicate with your advisor that you both speak, there's a good chance that you both are not on the same page. I, I can't agree more. I, I, I think the th one of the um, most common message through our classes, start to use numbers for everything. We need to define it as numbers instead of feelings or emotions. These are mathematical questions and problems and solutions, not feelings and emotions when it comes to investing. So we need to start defining this as a number. So if, give an example. So an, an example would be is if you 
you know that you would panic or overreact or make a poor decision if your portfolio lost greater than 15%. So you need to make sure your advisors are aware that that is your tolerance level before you're going to call and panic. And it's it, this is just one example of what we talk about when we teach our classes, Paul, which we teach regularly at the University of Michigan, Eastern Michigan University, Michigan State University, the Novi campus, and Oakland University. These are seven to eight hour courses taught in one full day or two separate weekday nights, evenings, two three and a half hour sessions. There's a $29 charge to attend. That tuition goes to charity. If you'd like to register for one of our classes, you can go to retirementplanningedu.com, retirementplanningedu.com edu.com or you can call 1-800-240-8981. Here with Kirk and Paul, this is the Retirement Education Hour talking about what it means to be a conservative investor in 2019. Kirk and Paul, you referred to that 15% loss. What do you mean by that? How are you communicating that to your clients? So that's really important. So when we say, when Kirk says, if you can't, if, you know, if you, all you can do is tolerate a 15% downturn in the market, what Kirk is referring to is what we call a drawdown. In fact, more specifically, the maximum drawdown. A drawdown is a measure from peak to trough in a given period of time in the stock market. The worst peak to trough period is what we call maximum drawdown. So what Kirk is saying is, if the worst drawdown is 15%, and that's all you can tolerate, anything more, if the market goes down more than 15%, you're going to panic, you're going to scream help, then you need to let your advisor know that your maximum drawdown you can tolerate is 15%. Yeah. And, uh, yes, Paul. And I think the challenge comes in is w what if you're doing it yourself? How do you build that portfolio for yourself to accomplish that? Again, that that's something we spend a lot of time talking about at the class for, for those do-it-yourselfers. Um, I would say that this discussion around risk and understanding and defining risk and what it means to be conservative in 2019 is, is incredibly important because we've had a 500, almost a 500% appreciation since the bottom in 2009. And we've had a, one of the, the best bull markets in history. And so if, if for many of the baby boomers who are getting ready to retire and at the same time trying to manage their risk, understand their risk and make sure they don't outlive their money, we got to make sure we're communicating properly with those that are helping us or if we're doing ourselves, how and what to do, when to do it and why you're doing it. Conservative means so many different things when it comes to managing wealth and then managing taking income out of your retirement plans to live on. So this is what Paul and I spend a tremendous amount of time educating people on. We walk people through how to build their own retirement plan, when to take income, at what age, from which source, at what accounts to minimize the chances of outliving their money and to make sure that they're managing their rest in an effective way that they don't allow emotions to beat them. If you're interested in attending one of our courses around the Southeast Michigan, you can go to retirementplanningedu.com, retirementplanningedu.com, or you can call 1-800-240-8981. These courses do cost $29, and all tuition goes to charity. You can register right there online. You can check out the syllabus, learn about the instructors, and pay by credit card right online. Or you can call 1-800-240-8981. Back with Kirk and Paul right after this. 
Happy to be here with Kurt Cassidy and Dr. Paul Mettler for another edition of the Retirement Education Hour. Sure are glad you're spending some time with us today. Be listening as Kirk and Paul will give you instructions on how to attend their courses that are held at local universities here, University of Michigan, Eastern Michigan University, and Michigan State University Novi Campus, also Oakland University. These are eight-hour courses held on Saturdays, or you can go to a two-day course. Now, if you'd like to get registered, make sure you visit the website. It's retirementplanningedu.com, or you can do that by phone as well, 800-240-8981. And Kirk and Paul will give you much more details here in just a bit. On the show today, we're talking about what it means to be a conservative investor today. Kirk and Paul, what do we need to know? So here's one of the challenges. One of the challenges is that we all forget that the market actually can, can correct right? Um, Americans in general have short memories. We all forget what it felt like, Kirk, in 2007, 2008, right? So we meet people all the time who say, you know, I don't want to lose money, but you know, but let's, I'm okay with a 30% drawdown. Sure you are. Right, right. Well, do you remember what it felt like when you had a 30, 40%? People forget, don't they? Uh, Very short memories. Um, A lot of it's around greed, some of it Sadly. is it is some of its lack of financial literacy, honestly, and what it means and the impact it has. You know, for a lot of the people who are listening to our show, this is this is uh, specific, really directed to, towards those people within five to ten years of retirement or in retirement. So, for a lot of those people, you guys are grinding for a few extra percent, maybe taking excessive risks that you don't need to take um, because you're already there. You're not moving the needle. You've been saving for 30, 40 years, many of you. Your few extra percent that you might be grinding for and conveniently forgetting how you felt in 2008 so you can get a little more and ride it a little longer because of greed or 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 a lack of remembering the feeling you went through. That's not going to move the needle. It's not going to change the quality of your retirement because many of you are going to live retirement because you of a lack of a plan in some fear, some doubt, uncertainty of how much you can spend. The psychology of in your relationship with money is going to move with the markets in retirement. What you spend, if the market does poorly in December like we did this past December, well, then maybe you're not going to go on vacation this year because you're fearful you're going to outlive your money. So even if you get a little more performance towards the tail end of your working years before you retire, the the reward of that you won't feel in your retirement plan. Your children may end up with more money, but you won't. And that's the challenge we have with a lot of people is you have a relationship with money and you have focused on serving money for so long that you're not allowing yourself to let that money serve you and transition to protect the money, distribute the money and make sure you don't outlive your money. And that's a very different strategy and we need to adapt and adjust. But again, it comes down to understanding what that means. How do you do that? How do you define that? Particularly, Paul, with most people in our industry still promoting an old playbook, you know, the old 60-40 playbook, somehow bonds are going to be more conservative and that's where you should go as we transition to retirement. Right. And, and you know, I'm glad you brought up bonds because I think, you know, typically when people say, I'm conservative. I want to be conservative. 
people say, well, let's go to bonds, right? That the whole rule of a hundred, right? As we get older, right? As we get older, we want more bonds and we want less equities. So let's talk about bonds, Kirk. I think it's an important topic. And, and, and one thing I want to say, and I know you're going to want to jump in here, is that, you know, we're not here to, to say bonds are good or bad. But one thing people do need to understand is for the last 30 years, people have made a lot of money in bonds, haven't they? They've a lot of money people have made in bonds. And what people need to understand is, and we talk about this in the class, 50% of what you've earned in your bonds over the last 30 years came from the appreciation of the bonds, right? Not from the interest that the bonds were paying you. And that's because interest rates were going down. Now, put aside the last couple months and we live Which in a crazy- sounds a little confusing, but we talk, we explain it in the class. That's right, that's right, that's right. So the bottom line is, as interest rates start going up, right? Yep. People aren't going to realize that appreciation. Again, interest rates and bonds move in opposite directions. So as interest rates go up, people aren't going to realize that appreciation. So what's going to happen is all people are going to earn on their bonds is the coupon. And that's not pretty, that's not very good, is it, right now? Right, the interest on the bond. That's, that's right. all they're going to earn. And so- I, I, I will. So Paul said we're not here to say bonds are good or bad. I would say bonds are great. Okay, but there are different strategies in different market conditions to managing bonds very differently. You know, Paul and I are big buy and hold believers, passive investing, buying index. Uh, if if any of you are regular listeners, you know that we believe in buying index funds, ETFs, buy and hold, and over the long run, you're going to perform better. Fixed income bonds are a little different. You need to be a little more tactical with fixed income. As interest rates are moving around, there can be a tremendous amount of risk in bonds. And what, what I'm going to propose, Paul, because I know we're going to run out of time this segment, is we come back next segment and we talk more about bonds and explaining how they work. Because for some of you, you probably noticed in the first quarter of 2018, over a three-month period, you saw your bond funds go down almost 6%. And in over the last quarter, you've probably seen your bonds go up 6% over the last quarter if anyone's paying attention to their portfolios. What, it, it, by definition, anything that has that much volatility to it and moves around that much can't be conservative. By definition, that is not conservative. So we're going to come back in the next segment and explain to you how we think you should be managing your bonds and why that old playbook is going to get a lot of people in trouble in retirement. And that's what we, again, another thing we really spend a lot of time talking about in our classes. So I'd like to invite all of you to attend an eight-hour course in a university setting. We teach classes at the University of Michigan, Eastern Michigan University, Michigan State University, Novi Campus, and Oakland University. It's eight hours, and we do it one full Saturday or over two evenings, um, four hours per evening. It is a comprehensive course. We go through a 200-page textbook, and it's going to teach you how to design your own retirement plan, when you take money, from which accounts, at what age, so you don't outlive your money, pay minimized taxes. This is a very important class that you guys all should be attending. The course cost is $29. The tuition is $29, and proceeds all go to charity. So if you'd like to register, you can go to retirementplanningedu.com, retirementplanningedu.com, or you can call 1-800-240-8981. And we're back with Kurt Cassidy and Dr. Paul Mettler right after this. 
Happy to have you with us for the Retirement Education Hour today. I'm Megan Mozak, joined by Kurt Cassidy and Dr. Paul Mettler, talking about what it means to be a conservative investor in 2019. Talking about bonds, what else do we need to know about this? This is, I think, a, a subject matter that goes over a lot of people's heads, Kirk and Paul. Well, I think I think you're 100% right, but I think most everybody is familiar with this playbook that's been utilized for the last 30 years, and for good reason. And Paul and I would argue this old playbook that we've been using for a while now, even Paul and I had been using with our clients, uh, has to evolve now because of where interest rates are at and how long they've been where they're at now and where most experts predict they're going to go. So historically, we have transitioned and reallocated a greater percentage of our monies into bonds as we get older. It's really based upon a rule Paul mentioned last segment is called the rule of 100, where we take our age, subtract it by the 100, and that's what percentage of your money should be in bonds. So I know many of you are familiar with the old 60-40 playbook where you have 60% equities, 40% bonds, or vice versa. 60% bonds, 40% equities. And theoretically and historically, this allows you to reduce your risk exposure because bonds historically haven't been as volatile. And we've also had the best 30 years we've ever experienced in bonds, as Paul explained, right? When interest rates go down and you own a bond that's paying you a higher interest rate, that means the value of your bonds are worth more, right? Because you have a, a bond that's paying you higher interest than the next person can buy a bond for, the same bond for. So that makes your bond more valuable. And we've seen this for 30 years where interest rates went from in the 80s all the way down to the bottom a few years ago when we saw the 10-year treasury bond at 1.42%. The fear most experts believe that we're going to have a rising interest rate environment over the next 20 to 30 years. In other words, where interest rates are now, they are going to go up. So if we're buying our bonds now, the value of our bonds that are low interest rates versus in the future, new bonds that are going to be higher interest rates is going to make our bonds worth less money. The numbers are, there was a, a study done by, uh, a study, a white paper done by uh, a Nobel Prize winning economist out of Yale, Paul. His yep. name was Roger Ibbotson, right? And what he found was that over the next 20 years, he believes bonds are going to be very problematic because his conclusion is over the last 30 years, as Paul mentioned, half of everything you made in your bonds wasn't the interest on the bonds, but the appreciation, the value of your bonds going up as interest rates were going down. We're not going to have that this next 20 years. That's what Roger Ibbotson came to the conclusion, and most experts have the same feeling. So we need to come up with an alternative solution. We strongly believe bonds is not going to be the solution for retirees alone, I should say. You should still have bonds. We're not suggesting bonds are bad. But bonds as a tool to drive income in retirement is not going to provide you what you're going to need over the next 20 years. That's our strong opinion. So, Kirk, I, I want to just clarify one thing that I think is going to be important because uh, for those of you listening, you may be sitting there thinking, well, based on what Kirk just proposed, if I just held my bond, then then I wouldn't necessarily lose my money, right? If I just waited till maturity. Misconception, right? right I would just. I would just, you know, I wouldn't sell it at a discount and I'd be fine. 
I think what oftentimes people get confused by is 99% of you don't own individual bonds, right? You own bond funds. So just remember that you don't get to decide when the bonds get bought and sold. The bond fund manager decides, not you. So you may decide, you know what, I, I, you know, interest rates go up. I just won't sell my bond. Well, guess what? You don't decide that you're not going to sell your bond. Your bond fund managers are going to. And I could tell you because Kirk and I analyze these bond funds every day, what those bond funds are be, you know, being turned over all the time. There's something called turnover ratio, which, which basically says how often your individual bonds within your bond funds are sold. And I can tell you, we see bond funds that are turned over, you know, three, four, five, six hundred, even more percent per year, meaning everything in that bond fund is being bought and sold multiple times. And every time the buying and selling, you are dealing with what Kirk is describing, where things are bought, being sold at a discount when interest rates are going up. So I want to make sure people understand that. That was obviously we're getting very technical in the weeds, but we want to make sure people some people who can follow this are, are able to follow what we're explaining. I think those that may be not as sophisticated with bonds and how they work, here's the message. We come to the class. Come to the class, right? And we strongly, strongly believe the old playbook that most of your brokers and advisors are promoting to you still because they're really not doing planning. They're just really salespeople being told what to sell you, right? In that old playbook that are, is still being utilized, is going to cause a lot of problems for people in retirement. Lack of performance, if best case scenario. Worst case scenario, it's going to cause some people to outlive their money without even knowing that it's going to happen, right? I mean, here's the crazy statistic that I think I, I quote every show now, is that if we have a correction in the first five years of your retirement, your likelihood of outliving your money increases by 75%. You tell me, what is the likelihood of a correction over the next five years? I think most people will agree it's likely. So we need to be a little bit, it's not just choosing the investments. In fact, we would argue choosing the investments is the easiest part of retirement planning. It's strategically knowing when to take money out of which kind of investment to reduce something called sequence of return risk. In other words, to reduce the chance of outliving your money. It's as simple as that. So that's what we're teaching in our courses. That's why you need to attend these eight-hour courses. I know it sounds like a big commitment, but I, I promise you, you're going to feel empowered. And I don't care what level you are. We have executives for the big three, econ professors from the University of Michigan, CFOs, CPAs, attorneys, all attending our class. And then we have just the average person who's been working hard and putting money away that becomes empowered by understanding what, how, when, why, even if they're not going to do it themselves, at least they know how to do it. Eight hours in a classroom, in a university setting, 200-page textbook, right? The course costs $29 to attend. The tuition all goes to charity. We're teaching these at all the universities around here. University of Michigan, Michigan State University, Novi, Campus, Eastern Michigan, Oakland University, at all of them. It's eight hours taught in one day or two evenings. If you'd like to learn more about the class, you can go to retirementplanningedu.com, retirementplanningedu.com, or you can call 1-800-240-8981. The Retirement Education Hour continues straight ahead. 
This is the Retirement Education Hour with Kurt Cassidy, Dr. Paul Mettler. I'm Megan Mozak. Thank you for tuning in and spending some of your day with us today. We're talking about what it means to be a conservative investor today in the year 2019. We talked about bonds. Kirk and Paul, what else is included in conservative investing? Well, Megan, it's it's remarkable. I know our industry has spent um, your whole lives, right, conditioning you to believe certain philosophies, rules, and approaches to retirement planning. It's just the same way as if you hear a news story on Fox News and you hear the same news story on CNN, how they are able to condition you to believe certain things. That's just the reality, and uh, marketing people have figured that out, and our industry spends a lot of money on the psychology of the investor and how to condition you to do certain things. And one of those things that they've conditioned you to believe is that that there's some magic philosophy or evaluation or analysts that can determine performance. <laughs> okay, and I, I'm just candidly telling you um, our opinion is that this isn't investing is in a it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to invest and make money in the markets. It really doesn't. You guys are chasing mutual funds, trying to find the best manager year by year, or you're trying to stock pick or market timing, all of those are really sort of silly and that's not what drives performance. What drives performance is asset allocation. What drives performance is not trying to time the market stock pick and buy and hold the broader markets. Time after time, study after study will tell you that index investing, buying the entire S&P 500 and holding it is going to beat any of these active managers or mutual funds or any of you day traders over any sort of extended period of time. So the idea of thinking the way to get conservative and to preserve your money in retirement is by choosing the right investments, I will tell you, it's, it's wrong. I, I will tell you factually that is not what's going to determine whether you outlive your money, not the investments. It's knowing which investments to take a distribution from, take income from when you have to take it to live on it or when you're required to take it because the IRS says you have to take your RMDs. Knowing how to, and we use buckets. I know everyone's been hearing about buckets for years, but we use buckets to describe the different types of money you should be taking money from and money you should be allowing to grow. And you shouldn't commingle those two buckets. You should have a growth bucket that is designed to grow and you're not going to touch for 10 to 20 years. And then you should have an income bucket. And that bucket is designed specifically to drive the maximum income with the least amount of volatility. The way to manage risk, Paul, and maybe you can talk a little bit more about this, is making sure that we're taking income from accounts that don't have volatility so we don't get trapped into something called sequence of return risk. Would you agree with that? For, no, for sure. And and I think the challenge is, is that so many people, as you said, just focus on, you know, return on your investment, right? Our industry doesn't talk about this, Paul. Right, they, they don't talk about it. So, you know, I, I think, Kirk, I think it would be helpful, you know, we're talking about how do you become a conservative investor? And, and, I, and my... I think oftentimes people come to us and they say, you know, what I've been told is that I should just take my taxable money first, right? The money that I saved, already paid taxes on, now it's growing. Take that first and let my IRAs grow. Because if I let my IRAs grow, what do they get? 
That money grows tax-deferred, right? They don't have to pay any taxes on it, and they get the benefit of this beautiful thing called compound interest, right? Correct. And, and, and we hear this all the time. People come to us and say, my advisor says this is the best way for me to make sure that I never run out of my money. Essentially, what they're saying is don't touch your IRAs and 401ks until you have to at 70 and a half, right? That's right. That's right. Because of compound interest yep. and, and the benefit of tax deferral, right? Yes. The challenge with that is for some people, that may make sense. But the problem is, like many of these rules, it's so generic that for, for many people, it makes no sense at all. In fact, we show in the class an example of a person who takes their taxable money first and then their tax deferred second. And then we compare it to actually strategically planning out for the next 30 years the best way to take your money. And I think the difference is like 13 years. Yeah, it's $390,000 of tax savings. That's right. Over That's their right. lifetime. That's Just right. Just by knowing the order of which money to take first from which kind of account. Right. When, I, when we say kind of account, Paul, is when he says taxable account, that means non-tax deferred accounts, non-IRA and 401ks. So it's it's mapping it. It's mapping the best sequence. So we didn't talk about investments, right? So if we can save five to fifteen thousand dollars a year in taxes by just understanding the tax code and which assets to take when from which kinds of taxable accounts, if we can extend your money by saving five to fifteen thousand dollars a year every single year throughout retirement, how much longer does your money last? And how much how, how much does that impact to be a conservative investment, right? We've done it through tax efficiency, not by selecting a different stock or a bond. It, it's about third on the list of importance of your investments. It's really the order and sequence we take the money. Paul, right, is that right? right? For sure, for sure. And, and, you know, we could spend right now, Kirk, probably, you know, an, another hour on this. I, I, if I can do one thing, I want to just share one quick example. I recently met somebody who was a single woman, and her advisor said to her, she had half a million dollars in cash, and she was in the 10% tax bracket, and her advisor said, do not touch your IRAs till you're 70. That's right? crazy. So, so crazy because we were able to show her by taking some of her taxable money first, we could keep her in the 12% tax bracket for the rest of her life. And that's because, Paul, we Roth converted. That's right. You keep referring to taxable money, and I'm not sure everyone's understanding. He's meaning taking the cash, the money you've already paid taxes on, blending it and bring some of your IRAs in, Roth convert, fill your bracket till you get to the top of the 12% bracket with conversions. These are all income strategies of when and how and why, not which investments, right, Paul? Correct. So let's talk about the class. Let's just get into the class. So Kirk and I teach a class uh, held at local universities throughout Southeast Michigan. We teach a class held at University of Michigan. Eastern Michigan University, Michigan State University, the Novi campus in Oakland University. Uh, often a full day Saturday, eight hours. Sometimes we break it into two evenings. $29 to attend. It's 200-page textbook. Just to be clear, when you pay for that, we donate those proceeds. We only charge a fee because we know if you pay money, you'll actually pay attention in the class, right? So, uh, And we, teach, we talk about all of these topics. Really important to become educated. So if you want to learn more, Go to retirementplanningedu.com, retirementplanningedu.com, and look at the syllabus. See the subjects we talk about. You can register online or call 1-800-240-8981, 800-240-8981, and you can register when you call. And our conversation continues about what it means to be a conservative investor in 2019 
straight ahead. Back with Kirk and Paul today for another edition of the Retirement Education Hour, where we're talking about what it actually means to be a true conservative investor in the year 2019. And we talked about bonds. We talked about conventional wisdom. I've heard about variable annuities. Is that a tool to be a conservative investor? Did she say variable annuities? She said variable annuities. So it's funny. um, One of the sections in our class that we teach is the good, the bad, the ugly of annuities, right? And so lots of opinions out there about annuities. I'll share our opinion specifically about variable annuities. And uh, I know that many people share our opinion on variable annuities, and we'll give you some statistics that might support our position. But I want to be clear, I'm not suggesting all annuities are bad because they're not. There are often, there are good annuities out there for particular people in particular situations. It's usually the advisor selling the annuity that's the bad part, not the annuity themselves. With one exception, Paul and I feel pretty strongly about variable annuities not being the in the best interest of clients, not being the greatest solution for retirees. In that A, it's often promoted as a conservative investment, and they're not. To understand, a variable annuity is simply a bunch of mutual funds in an annuity, con- an insurance contract that was intended and designed originally to create tax deferral so that higher income investors, higher income people could buy and sell their mutual funds inside this annuity and not cause a taxable event. In fact, the first variable annuity was invented in 1994. And at that time, it was a good tool. It made a lot of sense because high income earners were paying 40% on their capital gains. It was very difficult to buy and sell and manage a portfolio. So the problem with variable annuities today is often these are being sold to people that already have tax deferrals in their IRAs. Um, We find that very problematic. You know, they often pay a high commission, which I'm fine. Fine if someone gets paid a commission. I'm fine with someone gets paid a fee to manage it, but I'm not fine with people who get both. And there's a lot of people collecting the commission and then wrapping a fee around it and taking both. As a result, variable annuities are going to cost somewhere between two and a half and four and a half percent. The majority of variable annuities between two and a half and four and a half percent. I don't care what your broker's telling you. If you play the game, call the company and go through the 12 different fees associated with the variable annuity, you're going to find you're paying somewhere between two and a half and four and a half percent. The reason variable annuities became so popular is they created something called a guaranteed income benefit that would provide some sort of income on a guaranteed basis that people couldn't outlive, often in the range of 5%-ish, like a pension. Great benefit, wrong product to utilize it. There is another product out there that we talk about in our class that will give that same type of pension income guaranteed benefit without all these costs for something that's less than 1% in cost, as opposed to 25 to 4.5%. I will tell you one point that's important, and I'll pass it to Paul. There was a massive law change that was going to be enforced in our industry called the fiduciary standard. When that fiduciary standard was getting prepared to pass, as we thought it was, it was going to make things that were not in the best interest of the client, not we would, as advisors, not be able to sell them to you. In that year, running up to this new law going into effect, Variable annuity sales dropped by 70%, 70%, 70%. So I'll let you guys figure out whether or not you think 
if uh, an investment is all of a sudden decrease, decreasing their sales by 70%, whether that is good or bad for you, you can decide that. Yeah, so, so Kirk, I mean- I, I know, I, I made a, I a lot of no, 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 hot I, takes there. You did, you did. <laughs> but I, I think, I think you know, the takeaway, Kirk, is, right, and I, and I love what you said in the beginning, and I think it was really helpful, is that there's, the issue isn't, maybe with the exception of some variable annuities. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, though, I think it's fair to say the issue isn't the product, right? When we talk about what does it mean to be a conservative investor, really at the end of the day, all of you are different, right? All of you have your own unique situations. And what it may mean for you to be conservative is different than your neighbors. So, so first of all, you know, we want to be careful. We're not, you know, we're not painting with a broad brush here. There are some annuities that make sense for you. Actually, we would argue there may be some annuities that could help you be conservative. And, we, and I, I don't want to get into it. We don't have the time. But I think the point is overall the challenge with variable annuities often is the fees. And, and so one thing I would say, one of the benefits, one of the ways to be conservative is to reduce your fees. If, at the end of the day, as you get close to retirement or you're in retirement, fees can kill you, right? Great you're point. paying 2 3%. You got to imagine two to 3% is, it may not seem like a a lot, you guys, it may not seem like a big deal, but two to 3% is huge because then you have to assume you have to take out money as well. So if you're taking 4% out or when you're 80 years old and the IRS says you have to take 8% out of all of your pre-tax accounts, right? Excuse me, 6%. Thank you. Right now you're talking about 6% plus another 3% fees. You're taking 9% out. That is not sustainable. So one way to be conservative Find a way to reduce your fees. And, and, and as Kirk talked about variable annuities, I promise you, with your variable annuities, more often than not, you're paying way too much fees and it's going to really kill you in the end. Paul, the last thing I'd say on variable annuities, because you made me re- remind me of this, is you know, Paul, Paul and I believe in taking income from income products and growth it should be in a separate account just for growth products. It's like bucketing, right? The problem with variable annuities, one of the problems besides the 25 to 4.5% in fees, is that they're trying to commingle here. They're trying to create a growth product and tr- also using it as an income product. It doesn't, it, it doesn't work. When we run the math, it's much more effective. Just own your investments for growth in another bucket that we're not going to touch and then segregate some dollars just for income that has no volatility and your results are going to be better for many reasons over your lifetime. Many of those reasons we are exploring and discussing in the classes that we teach. Again, let's talk about those classes. Yeah, so, so sometimes when we do these shows, it can feel a little overwhelming because we talk about, we try to get in the details because we want to educate. We, we want to educate. We want you to have the information. It's just hard to do it in the show. So go get educated. Come to a class. It's an eight-hour class held on all day Saturday, sometimes two evenings, 200-page textbook. We talk about everything that you need to know to improve your financial literacy, okay? So go to retirementplanningedu.com. Go to the website. Look at the syllabus. Check out your instructors. See what we're teaching about, and I guarantee you you're going to see the topics are important to you. You can call 1-800-240-8981, 1-800-240-8981, and you can register online. The goal is to teach you what are the pieces you need to know in your retirement so you can build your retirement plan. If you'd like to attend, you can register at retirementplanningedu.com, retirementplanningedu.com, or you can call 1-800-240-8981, 1-800-240-8981. 
We're back with Kirk and Paul for more with the Retirement Education Hour straight ahead. Talking with Kirk Cassidy and Dr. Paul Mettler today on the Retirement Education Hour about what it means to be a conservative investor in the year 2019, why that's so important for retirees. Kirk and Paul, I've heard a lot from you today about what it doesn't mean to be a conservative investor. So give us some of the proactive steps that we can take to become that more conservative investor today. I I know Paul and I preach this constantly, regularly on our show, and then when we teach our classes every month. It really starts with a plan, right? It really starts with a in in defining a plan. When I define when I say, describe a plan, it's actually something that tells you from all of your different investments when to take money from which accounts at what age, how to do it so that you don't have a sequence of return event where you have volatility and you're taking money at the same time, which will destroy and significantly increase your chances of outliving your money, creating tax efficiency so you're paying less taxes so your money lasts longer. That's another way to be conservative. But it all comes back to planning. And, you know, in the in the break, Paul and I were just talking about, it's funny how you know, people come to us regularly in our when we teach our classes or when we meet with clients. They say that, you know, the book says I'm 58 years old. I'm within five years of retirement. I should have this kind of investment portfolio. And I would argue, we would argue that is insane. That is crazy. That is a very lazy approach to something that is much more complicated. Please understand our industry is incentivized by keeping things simple. Simple allows them to meet more of you and sell more things to you as opposed to actually building individual plans for individual people with different circumstances. So I would tell you all when it comes to how much risk you should take, it's not as simple as your age or your net worth. It's not that simple. There are so many variables. And one of the questions I think you need to all ask yourself, because you've got to begin to transition from serving money to allowing money to serve you. You need to recognize these last few years of you working, your performance, whatever that performance is to the upside, isn't going to change your quality of retirement. But the performance to the downside can significantly in, uh, impact the, your, your retirement and how good or bad it is. So are you really willing to take a chance of a major market correction to try to get a little greater percentage now the last you know 2 5 years of you working to at your own peril of me, that you as a result if we have a correction you're going to have to keep working or your quality of life and retirement is going to be drastically less than it should be you you've saved for 30 40 years you're there the ship is sailing just don't sink it in the last part of it So that starts by mapping out a plan. That starts by educating and attending the classes to understand how do you truly create an appropriate portfolio as conservative or as aggressive as it needs to be based upon your individual solution. You know, Kirk, a, a, a great example of what you just said is we show in the class. So people think, well, if I just take, we talked about drawdown. Well, if I only take a 15% drawdown I should be okay, right? I, I'm not going to run out of money, right? So we give a great example in the class of an individual who actually the first year had a 10% drawdown, the second year a 5% drawdown. When Paul says drawdown means loss. Loss. And then basically had 7.5% for 27 years after that on average and ran out of money in how long? 
it was uh, they ran out of money at 83 Eight, years old. That's right, 83 years old. So it was, uh, I'm not sure if it was 13 or 18 years, right. one or the other. But they outlived their money. Outlived their money, and, S- and that cents. was and that by definition, by definition, 10 percent is pretty small, right? The problem was not how you know their drawdown. The problem is when? they were taking money out of those accounts to live on. So they were actually drawing money out of accounts that were going down early. And it, so it doesn't really matter if it's 10 percent or 30 percent. At the end of the day, it's about planning. The, the, uh, the bottom line is we don't want to draw money from those accounts when they're highly volatile. And that takes time and planning out which accounts then should you take from so that you don't have that risk. So, uh, Paul, that is the greatest example. Hard to illustrate on the radio, right? Great and easy to illustrate in the class, and we give many examples of these. But Paul's point is so important that, you know, that was an example where someone performed at about 6.5% over 30 years, an average return. They only lost in the first two years. They lost 10% and then 5%, but they ran out of money. I think it was 18 years. It was years. 18 years. So it, 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 it's what happens in that first five years of retirement, the first 10 years of retirement. If you have any sort of correction in the first five to 10 years of retirement, there's the chances of you outliving your money increases by almost 75%. So everyone's focused on conservative investments. I would say focus on conservative income distribution when you're taking money from the accounts. And I hope, I hope this radio show is helping you to understand. And, and I hope it drives you to come to the class so you better understand how to build your plan so that you can minimize those chances of outliving your money. Trust me, we're going to talk about investments. We're going to talk about the good ones, the bad ones, the fees associated with them, the things you should be utilizing, and and we're going to describe to you how they all work. You're going to understand investments, but you're going to come away from that class knowing that choosing the investments are one of the easiest parts of retirement planning. The way to be conservative and minimize, when we say conservative, it's the key is not outlive their money. That's right? right. That's right. The best way to do that isn't by choosing the right investments, but it's by knowing when and how to take income from the right sources at the right age. So Paul and I teach these classes regularly. It's every single month in university settings. We teach them at Oakland University, Michigan State University, the Novi campus, Eastern Michigan University, and my favorite course that we teach is at the University of Michigan. I love teaching that cl- course at Rackham Graduate School. I just love that building and I love teaching on the Michigan campus and in these classes are eight hours in length um, and we'll do it over a full Saturday or two evenings um, 200 page textbook we're going to go through that entire textbook we're going to teach you how to build a retirement plan effectively the course is $29 all tuition goes to charity if you'd like to register or learn more about the course and check out the syllabus and your instructors you can go to retirement planning edu.com retirementplanningedu.com or you can call 1-800-240-8981 All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed are solely those of senior planning advisors and staff. All topics covered are believed to be from reliable sources. However, senior planning advisors makes no representations as to its accuracy or completeness. This shall in no way be construed as a solicitation to sell securities or investment advisory services to residents of any state other than Michigan or where otherwise permitted. Topics should be discussed with your individual advisor prior to implementation. 
Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services offered through Strategic Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products and services are offered through Senior Planning Advisors. Strategic Investment Advisors and Senior Planning Advisors are affiliated companies.